Well, welcome to the uh, online services of First Baptist Church Rock Hill. We are so glad that you decided to spend some time with us. Today, you're going to hear an important message from Michael Pig, who works for the South Carolina State Convention. He's going to be diving into one of the prayers of David in the book of Psalm as it relates to the importance, uh, the depth, and the magnitude of the gospel. So I pray that you would grab your Bible this morning, grab a pen and a, and a notebook, because you're going to hear some valuable information. Sit back. Listen to uh, Michael Pig as he talks to us from the book of Psalm. Pray with me as we get started this morning. Father God, we love you and thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you today. And God, I pray that as uh, Michael comes and he shares your word, Lord, that you would speak through him to us. And God, that it would be life-changing, not for the moment, but for eternity. And we'll be quick to give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory, because you and you alone truly are an awesome God. We love you and say these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Now a word from Michael. Amen. Uh, many of you already know I'm Michael Pig. Uh, I uh, share, uh, lead the uh, share team at South, South Carolina Baptist Convention. Boy, it's hard to get all that out. You know? <laughs> anyway, I do some of that. Uh, but my true calling is to lead people to Jesus Christ. And, and I love doing that. I try to do that on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I got this crazy goal in my life. I mean, it's it's hard to reach it. It really is that that I share the gospel of Christ so much that at least 52 persons accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior by the end of the year. And so that's that's incredible. Amen. Amen. Uh, the uh, and when I moved here, you know, God got a good start. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, this is going to be good. Yeah. Uh, just the persons that he has allowed me to cross paths with and just to share how great God is in my life and how such a special friend Jesus is. Amen. Uh, thank God for uh, uh, Pastor Steve Hogg and the incredible team that he leads here. Uh, today we're... Uh, here as a share team to share neighboring with you and I pray that you are signed up to participate in that and that uh, you can learn some tools about just how to be a Christian neighbor it's it's just an incredible tool that helps us uh, at leisure and wherever God has taken us to share our faith um, also uh, this church is going to be hosting at the end of March uh, this evangelistic event called One Night, uh, where this place, I pray, is going to be, I pray you're praying for it already. This place is going to be filled with teenagers. Amen. Can you imagine? Uh, and uh, the last time we had One Night, I could outdance all the teenagers. <laughs> so, yeah, probably going to happen here too, because I know how to throw down. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> but we're looking for God to just smile on this place and for all he's going to bring here that the incredible anointing of God will just fall down uh, that I pray that happens throughout every church in the land that actually believes in Jesus Christ 
Psalm 25, verses 6 through 9, there's a, there's a text there that I'm pretty sure you've read 101 times. Uh, but I want to lift out three verses out of Psalm 25 that echoes and reflects the sentiment of this psalmist prayer. Uh, a prayer in which he is sharing uh, through the eyes of faith and talking directly to his creator. Psalm 25, verse 6. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been very, uh, excuse me, they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy kindness, thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. God's holy word for his creation. I do love the prayers of the psalmist. There are many when you read scripture. You can pray uh, to God through the psalms. Uh, But they reveal so much about our Lord in a very personal way. Uh, And I pray that uh, you will see the boldness in which this psalmist is speaking, that he is praying for deliverance, that he's praying for guidance, he's praying for forgiveness. And his requests actually unveil, un- unveils or reveal the, the character of God, or who God stand on the principle of who he is. You know, your character, yours and mine, uh, are at the core of our personal being. They sort of help identify us. Uh, you know, it's your, it's your nature, your temperament, your disposition. It is the integrity and the spirit of your being. And, and it makes up all that you are to deliver you as unique. If you want to learn what a person really is like, uh, sometimes you can ask them three questions. Uh, what makes him laugh? What makes that person angry and what makes that person weep? These are fairly good tests of character that are especially appropriate, especially for Christians. Let me tell you why. If a person is able to weep, he has the capacity to express compassion. If a person can laugh, he has the ability to recover from life's severity. If a person can be stirred to anger, he or she has the drive to accomplish great work through tempered reactions. The same is true and even more so for God. God's character reveals who he is. So the psalmist in verse 6 says, remember your mercy, O Lord. You know, that, that, that's a fascinating beginning right there within itself. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. In other words, it's been from everlasting to everlasting. That's how Psalm 90 talks about it. You know, you have been God. This is who you have been from everlasting to everlasting. Boy, that's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, you know, my, my pastor... Uh, you know, some of you might can identify with this, you know, especially if you're a memorizer of scripture. For so many years through my pastor who preached only through King James, you know, so I've memorized scripture according to that. Okay, I went to college, participated in BCM, all of a sudden all these 
<laughs> English translations pop up. And so now I'm having to memorize scripture in a new context. You know, ESV, NIV, uh, CSB, HCSB, uh, message. That's how you like that for a text. You, know? you don't try to memorize the message Bible because for say Jesus wept, it takes three sentences. Anyway, so, 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 so here it is that, that this psalmist is just breaking open. You know, it's almost like he's pouring out what, what he wants God to understand. And, and you and I are like that sometimes. Because, because we sometimes find ourselves in a position where we have not been very good. Uh, we, we may have sinned or we may have broke someone's trust. We, we may have disappointed a person that we look up to. We, we may have actually just dropped the ball when people were counting on us. And then all of a sudden you're in a predicament and because when you're trusted with something and you disappoint God, how do you address that? Do you just dress him like you would do? You know, like if you went out for a pass and, and the quarterback put it right there. Put it right there. Just like Clemson did when Georgia came and beat him. <laughs> anyway, I was from Georgia. That's why I said that. Anyway, <laughs> so, the pass right there and he dropped it. You know, so I just laughed. I, then I picked up the phone and called Lee Clamp. Did you see that? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was really sticking it to it. Now, that was sinful, wasn't it? That was sinful, you know. He's already down, you know, and I just stick it to him. Why do Christians stick it to you? So, so here, here it is. You're in a position where, where all of a sudden, okay, I'm not getting this right. So, this guy has been blessed all of his life. God was with him when he took on the lion. God was with him when he took on the bear. God was with him when he took on Goliath. God was with him when he took on Saul. God was with him when his army needed to eat. God protected him, carried him all the way through to the crown was on his head. And then with all of that power, the first thing he does is put somebody on the front line just so he can get his wife. Wow. So, not only because of that, he realizes that God has shown him favor all of those times. But here is one moment in the inch of life. He needs God's mercy. I'm saying it that way so that you and I can identify with where we really stand. We do not have the ability to be perfect. You and I do not have what it takes to make up to be holy, holy, holy every second of the day. Even though that should be our goal. We just don't get there. Why? Because of this stuff. You know, it's, it's drawn to other things. I was uh, counseling a couple one time. Um, Part of my crazy seminary degree was a counseling degree. And, and so I'm sitting there sharing, and, and I say, is your, uh, is your wife pretty and beautiful? 
And of course, what is he going to say with her sitting there? Yes, you know, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Well, they, they don't quite go that far, but you, you know what I mean. You get the jest. And, and so, <laughs> and then I said, well, how do you compare that? And so he's there with her beside him. And you know what he has to say? Because I've seen other pretty women. You have to say that. How are you going to compare? You know, what are you going to say? My coloring books, I, I drew a picture of what I thought of being a pretty woman. I've seen some pretty women. And so here, because of being able to compare reality, he has to admit in the presence of his wife that he has seen some other pretty women. So what's going to happen when they get home? <laughs> They never do it in front of the pastor, but, you know, what's going to happen? Okay, let's talk about these other women you've seen. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. My goal is never to break up anybody. It's to help them stay together in reality. And so, and so the, the whole crux of it, I, I say this to say that. For them, it was the fact that never expect, because you are a child of God, that you have left the reality of this world. This world has nothing to offer us, but God has chosen us to live in this world in order that he might use us to change it. That's a tall assignment. The psalmist is out to do that, and he realized that he doesn't have the Potential stressful character in order to see it through. So let's look at what he uncovers together. He says, remember your mercy. You showed mercy to Jacob, you know, who was a deceiver. You showed mercy uh, to, to many countless people in the Bible, including Moses, who killed an Egyptian. And yes, you have shown mercy even to David. If I was to write... I would have to say, the Lord has shown mercy to me. He has embodied his great love, the character of how the scripture describes him, God is love, and he has shown it to me. The bold move of the psalmist is just this, that he does not separate God who is love away from God who is totally righteous. We accept both descriptions of God that that's his character, but for some reason when we think that he applies it, we try to separate it. God is love and God is righteous all at the same time. That is a very important detail here in this text because the God who is able and capable of showing mercy is the same God who is capable and able to carry me through what I'm needed to be carried through. In other words, yes, he can place judgment and punishment on my life, but at the same time do it in such a loving way that I feel the pain of uh, suffering of the torture, but at the same time I say, Lord, I just love you so much. That's, that was just so good. It's almost like pledging a fraternity. You know how crazy that is? Now, some of you probably don't. Uh, but in a fraternity, you know, when you get the paddle, say, oh, thank you, sir. Give me another. Who does that? <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the, the whole point of God showing who he is, the psalmist is saying, I cannot separate who God totally is. I've got to deal with all of God, and if not all of God, then none of God. 
So here he is. The first point that, that I want to bring through for us is that his confidence in God's character because God is good and upright. The word good here means kind. It means beneficial. It means loving. The word upright needs no explanation. It means righteous. But what we want to notice is how the psalmist binds the two together in a decisive and a real way. He's good and upright. There are two parts of God's nature that people find it hard to, to reconcile because we have a misconception of God and his dealings with us. We understand that God can be good even though he is righteous. We understand that God is loving even though he is righteous. We become actually irritated sometimes because we're challenged when we take out those qualifying words, even though, even though applies to you and me, not to God. Here the psalmist is saying it's not even though, it's and. Because he does not let his character go in order to deal with us. A parent who loves his or her child child does something wrong, the parent has to punish the child. Why? Because the parent wants to set the right example for the child to live through. So the parent temporarily tables or the display of his love in favor of correction. We can get that very easy. We understand that. So we think God is the same way. We think that when God corrects us or chastises us, he is tabling his love in favor of teaching us a valuable lesson. We cannot comprehend how God can be righteous and totally loving at the same time. We cannot comprehend that that the God of righteousness and holiness is the same God who is embracing us and loving us. And the punishment is he squeezes so tight that we know, don't do that again. He's loving and righteous. But there it is, the psalmist's prayer, God is good and upright. So, so, so why is he like that? Because love without righteousness is just a gush of good-natured sentiment. It can't confer a blessing. It is powerless to invoke any reverence out of us. And righteousness without love may be white as snow, but as cold as ice. So we need both. We need both. Because we would abuse one without the other. We may be awestruck by it, but, but we are not drawn to it. But, but the two together is a perfect picture of a sovereign God. So when we think about you and I in dealing with each other, walking through this life together, uh, because the world is distorted, sometimes we picture God working in it distortedly, especially with stuff going on in Ukraine and and how some are still living in poverty and how, how some people seem to just be dangerous to other people's lives. You know, it's like mindless things going on. So you you're almost have to say, well, if God exists all the time and God's everywhere at the same time, why is he letting that stuff go on? Well, it's not really the right question. Because we tend to look at the picture of other things and other people without looking at self first. How many things have you done 
where somebody can say, God, why did you let that person do that? Well, the answer can't be this. I've been so good for God that he just can't take me out of here. <laughs> That's not an accurate answer, is it? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's like saying, I am the best goody two-shoes that ever lived. So therefore, God needs me. No, he doesn't. He does not need us. It's the total opposite. We need him. In one religion, righteousness swallows up love and becomes rigid or dictatorial. And in the other, love destroys righteousness and makes excuses for every sin. So, you know, it's one or the other for us most of the time. But God says, no, you can't have one without the other. So he sets up his church to be holy and righteous and loving. Not separately, but all at the same time. And so the psalmist understand that God is both good and righteous. God is able to balance both natures and, and perfect harmony and, and mankind complete confidence. And all three, he is luring us and luring us and drawing us and drawing us to be closer to him. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. God says in his heart and in spirit to trust me. I am not an earthly father who treats his family according to the results of his work day. Trust me, I'm not a fair weather friend who shows up only at good times. Trust me, I'm not a fake best friend who places everything on Instagram. Trust me, I am not persuaded by any temperamental tantrum why you didn't come my way or choose my side. So the psalmist has confidence in God because the psalmist's own meekness, he is saying, I take the position that I need God more than he needs me. And so therefore, he says, Lord, have mercy on me. I think of that so much of, of the many moments in my own life. I am so grateful to God that he has shown me mercy. That God has literally looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. And according to the great Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He provides everything that I need. Oh, I thank God that his merciful love and his holy position of righteousness is loving me through merciful actions to get me to his holiness. That is the pathway of God. Our sinful nature would destroy us if it were not for the righteousness and loving power of God. Our opinions would disappoint us if it wasn't for the forgiveness of God. God is always speaking to us. It just so happens that we have so many things speaking to us that God has to fight to get through sometimes. I pray, my brothers and sisters, that that's not the case always in our lives, that we're ready to not only read, but to hear God's word echoing in our spirit. God is always speaking. What is he saying to you and to me? And not every, every message is the same. 
But whatever God's message for your life, I pray that you are ready and embrace to hear it. One of the things that that is just uncanny for me is that, and, and I believe this will be true in your life, is how to separate love and righteousness and discover that you can't do it. So how do you keep living righteousness with love? And the only reflection that I have that, that, that has tortured my spirit was, you know, my youngest daughter. Uh, my youngest daughter who, who thinks I'm just the best daddy in all the world. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Got to brag on that fact because I don't know how much longer it's going to last. But, but <laughs> so, the, you know, she, she came down to picking colleges and, and, of course, I want her to stay close to home. Uh, that way, because, uh, you know, I did a good job all the way through high school of keeping those guys away. Yeah, did a good job. Yeah. He invited you where? You want to go? Oh, baby, you know what? I was going to go uh, to Six Flags that day. You want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got that date canceled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just have to work the plan. Yeah. And so and so and so she had this idea of, of she she went to Princeton. Uh, she went to uh, University of Chicago. This is the exploring the colleges and everything. You know, you had to get to a plane to go to and every place. It was going to be so cold in the winter. And I said, maybe you don't want to go to those schools. And, you know, deep inside, you know, it's like. Like she's going to be too far away for me to protect her, and, and she's going to probably be brainwashed by some philosophical genius or something. And so you know how much work it takes to undo all that kind of stuff. And so, so here it is. I actually fasted and prayed. Lord, keep her home. Keep her home. See, she didn't understand the power of daddy. My relationship with God was much longer than hers. <laughs> and so I'm praying hard, praying hard. And all of a sudden, the door swung wide open. Uh, she got a, a great scholarship, a full ride uh, to the uh, uh, Andrew Young School of International Business at Georgia State. And I said, look at that, baby. See how good God is? Yeah. So, yeah, I said, you can keep your room upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm thinking breakthrough God has blessed my life so good you know I got it on I'm walking in glory land you know you know I, I'm, I'm with the psalmist here God is really blessing everything and then she throws me a curveball she said daddy I got this opportunity to study two years in Italy I said Lord, what are you doing, man? You know, <laughs> so I said, then I said, oh, it did say International School of Business and Economics. Huh? So she does two years in Italy. And of course, you know, I've got all the, the, uh, the DVDs of, of Taken so I could understand, you know, if I need to leave in a hurry to go take out somebody, I was ready. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought you started calling EM up, say, man, you know, what did you do with <laughs> so, so here it is that, that, that somehow I had to say, okay, Lord, I just got to trust you with all this. Because at my best efforts, I wasn't doing the job. 
It was just a temporary security. It was a false imprint of God's total plan. And so if I'm going to trust God, I got to trust him in totality, not just the part that I can put my hands on. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not trusting God if you got control. It's not trusting God if actually you can measure how far it's going to go. If you can trace it, if you can measure it, if you can put a dime on it, if you can actually give permission for it, that's not total trust. That's saying, Lord, as long as you're doing this, I'm with you. But let God decide to do something else, like send them to Italy. Lord, that was not in my prayer. So I had to take the position that the psalmist says in the text. In the King James, he says he is meek. He takes the posture of humility, a humility with power. He takes the position that I am going to humble myself before you. In other words, Lord, I am in your hands, but now I understand. I've got to place myself in your hands. I have to actually deliver myself to your hands. I have to give up in order for you to take total control. I'm going to say, Lord, here I am. I am fully and completely yours. Lord, I'm available to you. Take my heart, my life. Lord, I'm fully available to you. Man, I I love the words. The words sound great, but gosh, carrying it out, ooh. Don't you just wish you can say, Lord, can I take a time out? You know, and, and just you set it up this way and then say, okay, Lord, we're ready. No, it doesn't work that way. So what the psalmist does, he he waits for God to move. And then he joins God where he is. The psalmist did not have what you and I have. You know, he had the track records of the patriarchs and the early fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You and I have much more than that. We actually have Jesus Christ. We actually have the true model of God himself. We, we have the living word who was made in flesh to dwell among us. We have the word that called himself the light of men. We have the word. I pray that you have heard of him. His name is Jesus. He has come and walked among us. He has come to love on us. And while he was here, he healed some people. But the greatest thing he did, he gave his life for our sins died on a cross a cursed tree was buried in a borrowed tomb and on that special day that we call Easter he got up from the grave to command all power in heaven and in earth we have that model to look at so we don't have to look in the ages and the speculation of the world we can look to Jesus God's best that has been delivered to us So how do you do it? You trust in him. Him, he who gave his very best. He who gave his unique son to come and die as a ransom for all. Jesus, he's blessed and beloved of the Father. Do you know him personally for yourself? 
He is the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, laying in a manger, where angels came to sing glory to his name. That peace on earth has come for all men. It is Jesus. When he was a young kid, he's at the temple. And the Bible says the, the elders marveled at his wisdom. This is Jesus when he was found and I think presumed lost. He said, don't you know it's about time for me to be about my father's business? What was that business of the father? Except for to just show us that we can trust God. Jesus trusted God so much that even in the agony, agonizing moment of dying on the cross, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He trusted God. And I invite you to trust God as well. We are the beloved. God is teaching sinners through the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our pattern and our example because Jesus has sacrificed all, gave all that you and I might have life. Jesus washes us and brings us to full restoration as heirs of God's kingdom. And if we clasp Christ's hand in meekness, we can be confident that we will receive the strength for every journey that is ahead of us by trusting God. Do you have confidence in the disposition of who God is as your personal God, your personal Savior? You should. You should be completely satisfied with God's amazing grace because it truly is amazing. You should be totally pleased with God's bountiful mercy. You should be absolutely delighted with God's eternal word. You should be fully content with God's everlasting love. You should be entirely comfortable with God's distinctive purpose and his presence presence in our life. He has promised to never leave us, never leave us alone. Oh, my brothers and sisters, the God that you can trust is the God that is always walking in and never walking out. It is the God who is ready to forgive you and to pardon you and to set you on a rock and allow you to walk in the spirit of love and grace and strength and power that eventually he will call you more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, my brothers and sisters, the great grace of God is just that, that the things that God has done in your life and in my life have led and allowed us to trust him. Oh, yes. I got to take a breath here because if I had an amen corner right now, we can do some things. (laughs) Some of you don't even know what that means, do you? (laughs) The the grace of God is, is just this, that when God is moving in your life, when he's moving in my life, every breath that we take ought to be one of trusting God. You can trust God. You really can. You really can, more so than you believe and think you're trusting him even now. You can trust God in the sufficiency of his grace. You can trust God in the power of his blood. You can trust God in the presence of his angels. You can trust God in the purpose of his sacrifice. You can trust God in the authenticity of his word, the availability of his help, and the value of his love. You can trust God with it. Trust in it for one thing, but trust in it for all things. You can trust God. Oh, my brothers and sisters, it does not matter what storms you may encounter. 
Trust God. It does not matter what difficulty you may face. Trust God. It doesn't matter what pain you may suffer. Trust God. It doesn't matter that what enemy, what the devil can mount up against you, what cohort he can push you away, what army he can monopolize. It does not matter if you trust God. God will make you unmovable. He'll make you steadfast in the love of who he is. I am God Almighty and beside me there is no other. This God that we trust is the God as the revelation describes. He walks among the churches, the stars, the candlesticks, and he speaks and he moves. <laughs> when people realize that, they said even the wind and the waves obey his voice. Wow. He's here right now among us. He really is. He is there to forgive you. He is there to receive your repentance. He's here to help you. He will never let you down. He'll never let you down. He is here to strengthen you. Even when you're at your weakest moment, he is here to redirect you when you are confused by what life is telling you. He is here to assure you when you are anxious about life. He is here to inspire you when you are discouraged in which way to go. God is directional. God is purposeful. And God is able to take you to where you need to be. There was a botanist who was looking for this rare flower and he discovered that it grew in New Zealand. So he and his team went to New Zealand and eventually they found a flower growing over the cliff. And they said, well, we've come this far. How are we going to get that flower? So he goes into the village, find a, a lad that's light enough to put a rope around they were going to grab that rope and lower him down and so so they lower him down uh was about to lower him down and the little dude said hold it wait a minute and he runs back to the village and eventually he comes back with a guy running behind him and he gets said i'll do it as long as he holds the rope and so the other guy, he holds the rope. He lets the little dude down. He goes down and digs the plant out. He brings it back up. And when they receive the flower and the botanist is about to pay the lad, he says, well, who was that guy that you had to have holding the rope? He said, that was my father. I knew that I was safe and secure as long as my father was holding the rope. There's hardly no danger when the father is holding the rope. My question to you this morning, who is holding your rope? What cliff that you might fall over? What turn in the road that you can't see around are you headed for? Who's holding your rope? where with confidence you're able to say, I can trust this guy because he has the end of my rope. And because he is holding the end of my rope, everything is going to be all right because I've learned to trust in him. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his love, what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his goodwill. 
he will abide with us still and with all who will trust and obey. So what do I say? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I pray that that's you. The invitation to eternal life, the great door of the church is open. The time to say, First Baptist is a place that preaches and teaches God's holy word. It's a place where I can grow in the faith and learn even more how to trust God. This is your time. This is your moment. I implore you. I invite you to see the immaculate love of God. He is ready to just pour it out on you for all the things that you stand in need of.